Yeah, I think quality of life above everything else. And yeah. I think that's one of the main things that I preach is quality of life. Like you have to find what you value. How do you feel your generation sees mental health? I think our generation is really starting to, 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 to focus on it. And, you know, a couple of years ago when, when someone said, you know, hey, I'm going to see a therapist, it was kind of frowned upon or kind of, you know, had a stigma around it. Whereas now it's almost applauded. At least I applaud it. How long did you uh, actually we're live, but how long okay. did you work at Home Depot for? So I worked at Home Depot for probably like seven months. Um, I so backstory, I played sports all my life and my senior year, uh, the plan was to go play college somewhere and that ended up not happening. I got hurt my third game into my senior year. Um, the small schools that did give me an opportunity to play Division three were basically wiped off the table because I wasn't going to be uh, healthy in time. So after, you know, the season ended and watching, you know, basically my team from the, the bleachers, I decided to do something else. I'm like, look, I got to I got to work. I, that's kind of all I've known. Um, so I, I started I started applying to different jobs and Home Depot was the first one that gave me that opportunity. Um, before that, I had an experience working at a Christmas tree farm here in Coral Gables, actually right on uh, US one by Ponce. Um, they host like a, a big, you know, like a, a little tent that you can buy your Christmas tree oh, from. Oh, I see. I see what you One of my coaches connected me with a guy that, that started. He's like, yeah, I need a bunch of young, you know, guys to, to help me out. And that was like my first work experience, I guess, if you will. So that was the only thing I had to show Home Depot. I'm like, hey, yeah, I've, I've worked with, you know, these different types of equipment and chainsaws to cut, you know, the, the branches of a tree. So that was kind of what got me in. What um, did you learn from those? So those are like little odd jobs that you just do along the way, especially when you're, you're, you're brand new. It's your first job. Yeah. What do you what do you gain from those little jobs? I think what I gained, and this is something that I was told from a very young age, is that no matter what season you're in or what position you're in, just to do it at the best of your ability. And at the time, I had no idea where I was going, where my career was leading up to. Like I was going into college as a sports management major, cause just because I, I played sports all my life. That's all I really knew. That's what I wanted to do. At least what I thought I wanted to do. Um, so I didn't think that that would, you know, pan out to be a career, but I, I definitely went into those different odd jobs just being like, Hey, look, I'm the best one that's going to do this right now. And this might not, I might not last here, you know, longer than six, seven months, but you're going to get the best six, seven months that, uh, you know, I'm going to give you. So that's kind of what I've learned from those different odd jobs is just no matter what, you know, you're at, what you're doing, or you're, even how old you are, no matter who's, you know, in the position of authority, I think everyone recognizes hard work. And that's something that I've always taken with me to be able to just apply that, you know, even if it's something, you know, the janitor, or, you know, picking up trash, just do the best that you can do in whatever position you're in, because people will take notice, you know, and I think that's what what's definitely been able to lead me um, to the position that I'm in, in terms of, you know, just treating everyone right and doing the best thing with the best ability and everything that I have. So. And who or, or yeah, who instilled that mindset in you? Um, I do. I definitely give a lot of credit to sports. Okay. Um, what sport? Uh, you keep on saying sports. I like played what? basketball. Oh, it was basketball. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, if you go back, I played soccer. I did swimming. I did tennis. I did a lot of things growing up. But up until I was probably in like fifth or sixth grade, I chose basketball to be my number one. Um, it was definitely one of my first loves, and I, I I still cherish it to this day. I play with friends and all that. But I definitely think the coaches that I had along the way that instilled those types of mindsets in me and. You know, back in practice, I don't know, five, six years ago now, I was probably like a junior or sophomore in high school. My coaches were telling me, like, this is bigger than basketball, you know, and I'm like, I didn't know what that meant. And some of those coaches are mentors. You know, I talk to them on a daily basis. I had coffee with one yesterday. 
Um, and, you know, those types of things are just like those little, you know, things that you take along life with you. Um, you never really realize it. you can never connect the dots until you look back. But I definitely give a lot of credit to sports and basketball in particular because you learned a lot about, you know, how to compete with yourself. I mean, I was always told that our opponent isn't the one in the other jersey. Our opponent is the one that you're staring at in the mirror. And that's something that I've always been able to hold near and dear to my heart because no matter what I'm doing, no matter what, you know, podcast I'm in, whatever, you know, business opportunity I have, I'm not competing with the other person doing the same thing. I'm competing with myself every single day to be able to get that the best out of me. And if I can become 1% better every single day, then I've won. And I definitely attest and, and give a lot of credit to my coaches, my mentors, um, my parents. Both my parents are business owners, entrepreneurs. Um, I kind of saw that growing up from a young age and seeing what it took to be able to what kinds kind of businesses of i'm sorry what kind of businesses do your parents run so my mom for probably 14 15 years she was a teacher um okay. she taught preschool and up until maybe seven eight years ago she started her own baking business and that is definitely something i applaud because i've never i mean it's 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 been you know very hard to maintain a slim figure in my household because of all the sweets and everything going on but baking is definitely a trade that if you don't love it then you're you're not doing it for the right reasons like it's there's not a lot of people make money with it a lot of people can can be very successful with it but you really have to love that and that's where i, I really give my my mom a lot of credit because she just loves it she's obsessed with what she does to this day you know, she's on her feet, you know, 12, 14 hours a day working at it, not because it's going to, you know, pay millions of dollars, but because she's actually passionate about what she's doing. And then on my, my dad's side, he he's uh, an electrician. So he's been a blue collar worker for as long as I can remember, you know, waking up early, going to bed late. I've worked with him and I'm like, dude, I cannot do this. Like I remember being on, you know, roofs of, of uh, residential homes and and even uh business uh buildings on the top of roofs and you know doing electrical connecting them to ac and i was just like this is this is too much like this is hard work so that's definitely something that i attest to my parents and my dad particularly about just instilling that and he never really batted a you know an eye at it he's just like this is what i got to do to provide this is the grind you know my parents came here from brazil with very little probably four to five thousand dollars in their bank account nothing to their name uh, i remember my dad telling me he bought a a, a trailer home he he bought a trailer home with i uh, probably for at the time like two thousand dollars three thousand like he, he he bought it for at the time a lot of money considering what he had mm -hmm. and he took a chance on that and he never looked back and i'm like if i have all the opportunities and all the resources that i have now at my fingertips that they've given me then there's no reason what i you know i can't do anything i put in my population in terms of um just you know the culture itself it, it shifts every five to seven years there's a little bit of a, a separation and mm -hmm. once now I'm 38, you're 22, there's a 16 year gap there. And maybe I can relate to you in many ways, but there's gonna be certain things where I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Or if I look back to when I was 22, I'm gonna say, wow, that was not my mindset. Mm -hmm. And so for, <clears throat> for example, I'm looking through you know, you and Anthony's uh, Instagram or what you guys are doing with the podcast. And I'm just like, wow, did I have that mindset? Was it in me? Um, and, and is this a common theme in, in the people who are growing up now in, in that demographic and that age group, you know, is that a common theme where they have the mindset of gratitude, work ethic, um, putting yourself out there on social media? Are these all things that are 
ingrained in you now or are you an exception to that and are you just kind of standing out what do you think i'd like i'd like to think that we are an exception i think there are people out there that i mean we live in this digital era right we live in a social media society where we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people you know you see gary v and grant cardone and all these guys on on social media blasting out hey put yourself out there put yourself out there um, and I do want to give you credit because you are not old compared. I've, I've, I've walked into this office. I, I see all the modern, you know, all the all cameras, all the equipment. I mean, kudos to you for keeping it, you know, sharp in the way it is, because I've I've been in different organizations, different businesses that people even younger than you, that they think that they need to match up to the older demographic. But in reality, the younger demographic is, I think, was eventually going to going to take over yeah. just by nature. Right. And I think there is a lot of beauty in you recognizing that you have a lot to learn from us as well as we have a lot to learn from you. And there's also, there's a big shift there where I've talked to people that are probably some of the wisest people that I've ever, you know, talked to and learned from, but they refuse to look at the younger generation and see that we have something to offer. Um, So kudos to you on that. But to answer your question, I mean, repeat the question again. What was it that you said? Uh, Just more so like, are you a, are you an anomaly? Like, does that separate you from other people? from other people from your peers are your pe- do your peers have that mindset that you so often talk about in terms of I'd like I'd like to think optimistically and I think that they do I feel like Anthony and I definitely have set ourselves apart with the things that we're doing and we were just talking off air um, about the people our age that are graduating now maybe even in school that they're graduating with a degree with no experience with no connections with no network and yet they're trying to go find a good paying job to live in Miami, which right now is very difficult to do to pay for rent. You probably need like nine roommates to pay for a one bedroom apartment. <laughs> and crazy. But the thing is that you can't get a job without experience, but then you can't get experience without a job. So it's that, that constant chicken in the egg scenario. And it's just like, I think a lot of people our age are starting to put themselves out there because they're starting to realize that, you know, starting a podcast, starting a YouTube channel, starting some sort of Instagram page, some sort of digital real estate is worth something. Right now, it's going to be worth even more later on. Um, So I think that's where, you know, the younger generation definitely has an advantage because we recognize that. We have, you know, even if it is a split second faster than people older than us, so we can maybe tweet, you know, a couple seconds faster than you guys. It's just those little things that I feel like we kind of take part in and that we can really take pride in. Um, is is important. I think that our generation is definitely leading the way in digital innovation. I mean, if COVID taught us anything, it definitely taught us that digital is the future. You know, with all these new things coming along with the metaverse and NFTs and all these different things that I don't even understand. I'm trying to still grasp my my mind around it. But it's definitely sped up our society at least five to seven years, I would like to think. You know, working from home, working remotely. I was just talking to uh, Amanda now and she was just saying, how like Zoom is is one of the platforms that popped off. And that was one of the things that we started to recognize, you know, early on in our podcast, because I don't know if you know, we started in a studio kind of like this and then COVID happened. And, yeah, then, so, and then you transitioned. And to- then we transitioned to kind of more of a, a digital remote environment where in a, you know, in a way it was a blessing in disguise because now we've been able to have guests from New York, you know, Sacramento, California, North Carolina, Chicago. We've had guests from basically all around the world. And in other, wa- other ways, we wouldn't probably have had that opportunity if we were still in that studio. Not that this is bad. I would love yeah. to have this, you know, this setup as well, because I think there's really a lot of value in having that hybrid model. Um, but even people here in Miami, you know, I would love to come here and record with you. But 
you know, if you have other people that are, you know, maybe have busier lives, just the traffic on US one to get here sometimes can be, you know, a a, a, a difficult thing to get around. It's a pain in the ass. It's a pain. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay to so, say. So, um, so we we definitely got a lot of a, a backlash, and you know, we were we were told no a couple of times just because of that. You know, it's people here locally. It's not like people are flying in to come yeah. on our, our show. Like we're not, you know, nearly at that level, but. I think recognizing that and taking that approach and just having the ability to innovate um, and doing it in such a fashion where we were able to position ourselves to to take over that digital real estate. And that's what I think our generation is really capable of is recognizing, hey, I have, have an opportunity. I have, you know, a goofy dad that loves to do dances. Let me record him once a day and see where that goes. And now that person's famous on TikTok. You know, he's created a career for himself and his family. And I think people are starting to re recognize that I don't necessarily need to go get a job just to provide financially i need to go get a job that is going to fulfill me is going to satisfy me and if that's you know living in a van making you know six figures or if it's you know living in a high rise in brickle you know working at a hedge fund it's up to you to determine that and i think our generation has been so kind of uh in different gaps and in different areas where we start to recognize what we love and what we don't love and what we want to pay attention to and we don't want to pay attention to and really following our passions and our interests more than anything. Yeah, I think quality of life above everything else. And yeah. I think that's one of the main things that I preach is quality of life. Like you have to find what you value. And like yeah. you said, if you're working in a hedge fund and you value you value that and you value things and you get a sense of satisfaction from yeah. that, then go do that mm -hmm. if that makes you happy, right? But maybe you feel that you need to transition and now you have a family and that high rise and brickle isn't doing it for you anymore. Yeah. And you want more time with your kids and you want to be able to take your you want to be able to see your son's football, basketball uh, game. You want to go to your daughter's dance recital. Mm -hmm. Well, then you need to pivot at that point, yeah. make a change and find a way that your quality of life can be enhanced because otherwise you're going to be miserable. And I don't care how much money you're making. Now you're going to be looking at that high rise and thinking, I want to jump instead of thinking, damn, what a beautiful view. Right. Yeah. And it's because we the life that we create around us could either allow us to flourish or it can become a prison. And people don't realize that mm. you can get a bigger house, a nicer car and all these things. But yeah. guess what? Now you have to support that. And so you have to look at what do I really value? And I think that's where the shift is happening in society right now is where mm. people are really looking at their mindset. Right. Yeah. Hashtag mindset podcast. Let's go. <laughs> um, and and say where where do I want to where do I want to spend the minutes, hours, days, months, and years of my life? And if I'm not happy, then it, what's it all worth? Yeah. This what I've learned, and I'm 38. I'm not that old. I get it. I'm not that old, but I'm getting there. And I I'm seeing this is this is going. Mm -hmm. Every day I talk to my friend Alex almost every day, and by the by the evening I always give him a call. I'm like, hey, there goes another one. There goes another one every day. Um, and it's important to look at it and realize how quick these days go by, and they add up. So yeah. you better be doing, you better be working towards something that you really love, that you're passionate about. Obviously, hopefully you get a return on investment. But I hope that what you're doing is valuable to you, something you really value. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of value in that, what you said about, you know, your return on investment. And that's something that I talk a lot on personally, even on the podcast as well, is we were in a position at the age that we were. We started the podcast at I was 19 and he was 18. I'm 22 at the time. And we 
you know, we had no responsibilities in a way. We didn't have financial responsibilities. We didn't have rent to pay. And I know I understand. I don't want to be insensitive, but I know there are people that may not be in those situations that look back on, wow, man, I wish I was at that age to be able to take those risks. And that's something that I take pride in, and you know, just taking action and being vulnerable. And even if you do something that necessarily didn't, you know, return your investment at a financial state, but dude, you learn so much, yeah. you know, like I know Anthony and I have gotten opportunities just from the podcast itself to work for people or just be in a conversation, just being, you know, a man in the room, being a fly on the wall has been able to be so valuable. And guess what? I mean, we're not on a Joe Rogan level by any means. It's not paying us, you know, sponsorships, you know, left and right, but it's to be able to pay dividends in the way where we can connect with people. We can network with them. We can learn from them and, you know, start businesses, start podcasts, start different things that you want to see grow and you're passionate about and where you want to spend your time. And I encourage other people to do that, right? If you're at an age where you are living at home, you know, and by the way, living at home, there's nothing wrong with that. I still live at home and I'm milking that until the day <laughs> they kick me out. You know, That's like awesome. there's there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and I understand that people might ha- not have the, the best situation at home and, you know, do your best to kind of tune the negative negativity out. Um, but I think there's a lot of value in taking that risk, you know, at that point in your life, because I know a lot of friends and there's nothing wrong with going out and partying, you know, I'm big on, you know, work hard, play hard, but if you're only playing hard and you know, you're, you're spending all your models, your, your, your money at the club and you know, you're going out to eat at night and all these different things. I I love to go eat. Ask my girlfriend, we go out all the time. I love good food, Mm -hmm. but I think if you don't kind of find where, okay, like I'm at a life and I'm at a position in my life where. I have the perfect opportunity to jump, to take that leap of faith. You know, when I have, you know, a bunch of little kids running around, when I'm married, when I have a mortgage, when I have a car payment, that might not be the best situation for you to take that leap. And I think COVID definitely uh, got a lot of people to realize that. And it still gave them hope and motivation to take that jump. And a lot of people landed and and they're on the floor running. Um, But for us young people, I, I want people to realize that, you know, this time, isn't going as slow as you might think you probably you know look back now and you're like dude i'm 38 now but i was 22 uh, from a blink of an eye you know it it goes by that fast and i i think about it too just just yesterday i was on the basketball court playing with some friends you know when i was 17 16 years old and i wouldn't imagine i'd be here standing with you on the podcast talking about this yeah so just the, the the perspective of how fast time goes and everyone has the same 24 hours. I think it just depends on what you decide to do with it. And, um, you know, make sure that you love what you're doing and have fun with it. But, you know, do it in such a way where it can go somewhere. You know, maybe that hobby that you're doing right now, brainstorm it, workshop it, talk to people about it, put yourself out there and, and see if that, this is something that can, can provide me a living, even if you're making, you know, less than what you would have made at that hedge fund. But, hey, now you're happy. Now you're satisfied. And you did that because you were able to capitalize on the opportunity you had when you were young. Yeah. And I think that's really what, what sets people apart. And I, I think I told you, well, it was actually on your podcast when you had me on where um, I had an offer to work either at a very high end mm-hmm. Um, it was a high-end drug rehab center when I yeah. first started uh, as a psych nurse practitioner uh, versus uh, working at Camilla's house. And it was like a $50,000 difference in salary. Yeah. And to me, I'm a kid from Hialeah, like, man, <laughs> 130 versus 80 sounded, yeah. 130 was like very it's a, it's enticing. attractive, yeah. Yeah, but then I had to think about like, what population do I want to serve? Who am I really passionate about? What do I want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, at that point in time, I lost a lot of sleep over that decision to take the lesser pay. I lost a lot of sleep. 
there was a lot of nights where I was kicking myself in the ass saying, did I make the wrong decision? Um, but then all the opportunities that came with working at Camilla's house and the sense of satisfaction that I had uh, with working with the homeless population just told me this is the right place. That led me to working for the University of Miami as a professor. Dude, do I look like a professor to you? <laughs> I didn't. Like, I had a lot of doubts in you my could mind. Pass. You could yeah, pass. Yeah. It was weird. It was a really weird experience, right? That was where I first realized, like, that's where I first felt that separation mm -hmm. in generations, right? I, when you throw a joke out there to 150 students and it and doesn't no land <laughs> because they Just don't know what you're it. saying, that's when you're like, okay, I, I got to sharpen up a little <laughs> bit here. I got to get on TikTok a little bit yeah. more often. Um, so let me ask you this. In terms of the podcast, what sort of feedback did you get initially? What or Were you getting any feedback in terms of negativity? What are you guys doing? What are you trying to do? Who are you to have a podcast? Like, What are you, what are you even going to say? I think in the beginning, to be completely honest, we got a lot of positive feedback. Awesome. A lot of our families, friends, everyone, you know, was behind us. But I would want to say probably around month six or seven, people were like, all right, like, how long is this going to last? Like, just give up already. Like, this is a this is a fling. This is a fad. Like, you know, just, you know, how long is this going to go on? Like and you don't have a million YouTube viewers. Yeah, like we don't up. have, you know, like it, you guys would have grown up until now. You haven't. You know, why don't you just give it up? And that's when we were like, okay, like if we're going to do this, we have to do it to the best of our ability. Going back to what I told you, whatever position you're in, just give you your, your all, give you your 110%, even if you're not getting paid for it, you know, because, and that's again, hard to swallow, especially in different positions, but we were in a position to do that. And we're like, we're going to go strong. We're going to, you know, do what we have to do to make this the best quality podcast that we can. Um, and we were, here we are two and a half years later, you know, obviously COVID put a wrench in some of the plans that we had to do, you know, launch events and stuff. And, but we've been able to do that and people are like, still like, wow, you guys are still going strong. And now, now we're starting to, to see, you know, the, the reaps, uh, you know, start, we're starting to reap the benefits mm -hmm. of those seeds that were sown. And, you know, I think a lot of people in the beginning, the negative talk that we did get, even though it was very little in the beginning, I think it was for, from people that kind of wanted to do what we were doing in a way and maybe they just didn't have the opportunity or they didn't you know have that like that start and i'm a big big uh you know um, person and advocate for just starting you know things don't need to look perfect things don't need to you know look and sound amazing to begin like you go back on our first episode <laughs> i i cringe to this day listening to it it's like youtube quality was trash the audio quality was like from like our apple headphones mm -hmm. It was really bad and i think there's a lot of beauty in that and a lot of people what i think you know freezes a lot of people and and, and paralyzes them from even taking that first step of, of taking action is that it's not perfect and i think a lot of people just they don't get past that because they don't know how to get it perfect maybe they don't have you know the different equipment or the different gear but people just need to know that everything that you have is going to get better and if you were be if you were to perfect day one then what are you going to be on day 100? You know, you're, you're not giving yourself even room to grow. Mm -hmm. um, but something, you know, that we did do, which I think was is a practical tip for people if they are, are looking to start something, is that we recorded probably 10 to 15 episodes before releasing one. Um, and I say that because, you know, in the beginning, we're like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it well, we're going to do it big, and we gotta, we got to be consistent. Mm -hmm. And at least for me, being, you know, coming from the media and marketing world, as little experience that I had, one thing I did know was that consistency was key. And if you were going to be successful at anything, 
you know, successful at working out, you had to work out consistently. You had to, you know, get, you know, a regimen, go into the gym, you know, eat well. You had to kind of create a schedule for yourself. And I'm like, look, if we're going to do this, we got to do it to the best of our ability. So we recorded 10 to 12, maybe even 15 episodes before releasing the first one. And that gave us a cushion in a way to be able to keep that consistency up. And, you know, Anthony and I hold each other accountable. But in the beginning, it was definitely hard because it's discouraging to see, hey, the subscriber numbers aren't going up. You know, the listeners aren't going up. You know, we've even seen over the course of time, some of the listeners going down. And we're like, is this is this the time? You know, is this something that we should just kind of park for now and, and see where it takes us? But every time we, we hop off an episode and, you know, even you said it, you're like, guys, keep doing this. Like, this is this is good. This is magical. This is gold. What you guys have. And that's really why we started. You know, if you look at all these guys that I've mentioned, like Gary Vee and Grant Cardone, they all have podcasts. They all, you know, they're all millionaires and billionaires. They have all the resources in the world. But to us, the reason why we even started in the first place was because there was no one that looked like us doing it. Mm-hmm. There was no 18 and 19 year old kids starting a podcast because guess what? No one had all the equipment. No one had all the perfect gear and neither did we. Mm-hmm. But we're like, if we start this now, we're, we're going to be serving an audience that is going to you know pay attention and they're going to you know fall in love with the concept. And we are really creating it for us. We always said if we have two people listen or 200 people listen, what we get out of that conversation is so valuable and we're going to take to our grave one day. And it's just, you know, there's a lot, a lot to think yeah. about there. And, and it's, it's true. I, I get goosebumps all the time yeah. because it's something that we, every time I tell you, never fails. Like we'll jump off an episode. I'm like, wow, that was so powerful. I'll take notes. I'll re-listen to the episodes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is more for us. Like we were, we started this podcast for us. And, you know, I'll tell you like all the different opportunities and different avenues that it's been able to take us and open doors. It's been able to open is really crazy to see. And, but it was just taking that first step of starting. But I think what you just said is so powerful. It has to be for you first. You can't jump on to a podcast. You can't start an art project. You can't start a business when you're trying to do it for other people. Yeah. If you aren't doing it for yourself because you have a passion for it, dude, give up. Yeah. Give up <laughs> because it's not worth it. It's not worth it because you, cause then when episode 30 is released and you have 30 followers, you're going to quit. And that's that's the problem that I think a lot of people have is that they're doing it for other people. They're doing it for the clout. They're doing it for the followers. They're doing it for the fame. How many views does this podcast have right now? Not even 100 sometimes? I, I, I really don't care. Because just, just what you said a little while ago, where I'm getting a lot from every person who sits across from me. Mm-hmm. So let, now I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit, right? You're 19 starting a podcast on mindset. A lot of what you talk about is overcoming failure overcoming adversity and so now i'm looking at you like like so i'm sure there's people who have been like the hell have you been through how can you teach me about mindset you're 19 you're 20 you're 22 now like what have you been through in life that should inspire me or should inspire people around you right what do you say to that guy i say to that guy that i fail every single day and i was even telling amanda i don't disclose that's, my oh, age that's ashley, ashley. <laughs> you just oh, failed so right sorry. now <laughs> I was getting, I was getting confused. I'm, I'm horrible with names. I'm telling you, I am horrible. You just failed twice, so we get it. Oh, (laughs) I'm so sorry. So sorry. You were telling Um, Ashley. So yeah, I was telling Ashley that I don't, I don't disclose my age unless I'm asked. And let me tell you, the amount of imposter syndrome that I feel on a daily basis is crazy because nine times out of ten, the rooms that I'm walking into, I'm the youngest person in the room. I'm not qualified at all to be in the conversation. 
but that's only because I've been able to position myself to fail. And we even have a, a t-shirt, not to not to plug it or anything. No, plug it, man, plug it. <laughs> we have a t-shirt that we made. We got is, 30 people listening probably right now. On, <laughs> they might buy one. It's probably one of my favorite that says, uh, that says fail forward. And that's something that we say all the time because, you know, failure is, is, you know, the vehicle to get you to success. Of course. And if you don't start, then you can't fail. But if you don't fail, you can't succeed. And I think there's, you know, people, that's what I would say to that person, because every single day I go through conversations, every single day, you know, we're sitting on a, on a podcast, every single day I'm sitting in a meeting, every single day I'm, I'm you know, in a, in a room with a bunch of executives talking, you know, pitching a, a project. And I am no way, shape or form qualified to be in that room or qualified to be in that position. But because of my failure or my experiences in a way, I've been able to kind of, you know, keep that chip on my shoulder and be able to use that. And be like, look, I've tried that. It didn't work. Do it this way, you know. And I think there, there's a lot of value in that. And you know, again, I'm a big, you know, component of, of, of the mindset is is trying things, trying what you love. Because at this age, even at the age that I am, like my passions are going to evolve. Your passions are going to evolve. You know, everyone's passions are going to change, and your interests are going to change. But if you don't try certain things, you're never going to know. And you know, one of my first businesses that I started, I always tell this story. It's kind of funny. I started in high school, kind of at the same time that I, I uh, got a job at Home Depot. I, I was making this money at the time. I was like, dude, like, this is sweet. Like, I'm making my own money. I can do whatever I want with it. I'm going to start a business. And no business experience. I started a clothing line. Um, had no experience in fabric, in marketing, in social media. Didn't know how to put together a website. I was basically selling to like friends and family at school. I was literally showing up to like high school with like a bag full of like t-shirts and like set, like selling them in the cafeteria. Um, but again, I did that for me. And if it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't have learned, you know, what I know now about media and entertainment and me and, and marketing mm -hmm. and what it takes to build a brand, because that's what I didn't know at the time. You know, I, I would create a logo and I slapped it on a t-shirt and I thought I had a company. Mm -hmm. That's not the way it works, you know? And but it, it's it's, you know, th those little experiences that you culminate into what you know today. And I think that's very powerful to people for people to know, because people are afraid to take their first leap on their first business. And I'm, I'll tell people like your first business, chances are they're not going to succeed, you know, but I think it's not until you you start that the first one and you fail at the first one that the second one's going to come around. It's going to be a unicorn. Or it's going to be successful. Right. So I think that's something that's a story I always tell people because it's like, dude, like, how did you how did you know this or how did you get through that? I'm like, dude, I failed so many times. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing I do know, it's, you know, how to not do something instead of how to do something. And you, you can almost reverse engineer that. You know, I had an internship before I started my own business in marketing. I was an intern at another marketing firm. And I mean, I don't know if they're going to be listening to this and I, I hope to not, you know, throw shade on what they're doing. <laughs> but I don't even know if they're open anymore. But they I probably learned more at that company what not to do in running a business than what to do. That's huge. And I think there's a lot of value in that. Mm -hmm. It's very powerful because when you know what not to do, you know what to avoid. And you know, you know, I shouldn't say this to that person. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't, you know, write this on this blog or I shouldn't post this on this social media platform because it's not going to work, right? So I think there's a lot of value in learning what not to do and learning from, you know, other people's mistakes so you can also be able to propel your own career in avoiding those mistakes because you're going to make your own mistakes. And I think that's de been definitely a huge component. And we always ask people on the podcast, like, oh, like what have been some of the, the biggest mistakes that you've made? And that question kind of comes from that scenario because there's so many things that we can come up with, you know, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, whatever you want to call it, 
that when you are in a position to fail, that you just have to absorb it and you have to own up to it. All right. This is this is a loss. This isn't a loss, but it's a lesson, you know, and this this is something that I'm going to learn from. I'm going to take away. I think where you really lose is when you don't learn from the mistakes that you've made and allow other people to to learn from those mistakes. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just become extremely insecure mm -hmm. um, because they're afraid of losing and they're afraid of what other people are going to say about that loss. And the truth is, sure, maybe I see that. I mean, I'll use you as an example when you were playing basketball. Maybe you went 0 for 5 one game. Does that mean you should never shoot again? Yeah. And if you're embarrassed about what my judgment is of you, guess what? Later on that day, I'm not thinking about it. But some people tend to like allow these thoughts to ruminate they and dwell. think that they, they feel that everybody is still thinking about them and about this loss. And the truth is, no offense to you, but nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. And the only the only person that needs to care about that loss is you. And the only reason you should care about it is so you can learn from it and move forward. Like you said, fall forward. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not learning from it, and if you're not going to pursue and try again, it was probably never worth the shot to begin with. Yeah. Um, so what has been your biggest failure? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Um, to be honest, I think my biggest failure is still coming. Um, um, and I'm not afraid of it. Uh, I think my my biggest failure up until now i mean i can name a few that you know being one of them and i don't even consider it a failure because i think i learned from that experience mm -hmm. um but yeah i think i'm still at the age where i'm learning a lot i'm still you know absorbing from other people like yourself from other mentors from other people um and i think that my biggest failure is only going to uh, put me in a better position for my biggest success and, um, you know, again, like I said, I'm not afraid to to hit that, you know, head on because I know it's it's only going to lead to something better. And you can only get over, you know, the valleys, you know, once because once you go through the valleys, you're going to go through the mountaintops. And I forget, I think it might have been Steve Harvey or something that that said a quote, something along the lines is like, if you're going through hell, keep going because who wants to stay in hell? <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's true. so it's like, you know, People go through seasons. I've been through seasons, you know, of, of, of waiting, of failure. And you just, you need to keep going through it and you need to keep learning. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I would say to that. I don't know if I've been through my biggest failure. I don't consider my failures, you know, losses. Like I mentioned, I don't think it's ever been able to put me in a position of like, wow, like I'm never going to recover from this. Um, but I'm not afraid to, to conquer that and to go through that. And I guess... From from your perspective, what do you have to say to somebody who's 22 and feels like they they're in their biggest failure? Um, they didn't get into the school they wanted to. They're realizing that they can't become a, pro a professional athlete. Mm. Um, they are in financial debt. Uh, they can't find a job. Their yeah. girlfriend left them. What advice do you have for that person that feels like life is never going to get better? Um, I would say keep going i think i've been through that and i'll tell you a story like i had mentioned uh my plan from a very young age was to play basketball uh, i'll even go as far as telling you that i wanted to play in the nba when i was younger um and when i started to get i remember going to like showcases and tournaments you know all summer going to my senior year and that's when i started to realize i was gonna i was catching the attention of some small schools it wasn't like i was gonna you know go to any major d1 mm -hmm. by any means but i was gonna get an education through sports which is what i wanted to do um and after getting hurt my my senior year and hearing the doctor say, hey, you're out for eight to 12 weeks and a season's only like 
I don't know, six to eight weeks maybe, I was like, this is it. That was, you know, I had conversations with those coaches and they let me know, yeah, like, unfortunately, we can't wait, you know, to give you that position. Like, we need you to see, we need to see you work out. We need to do all these things. Um, And I was in, I would even call it a, a, you know, a depressive season in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, and as a Christian, I blamed God Mm -hmm. for a lot that had gone on in that time. And, but if it wasn't for me, you know, getting up and saying, okay, I'm, I was probably 17, 18 at the time. I have my whole life ahead of me. Like maybe this wasn't the plan God had for me. Like even although this was the plan I had for myself, although this was the plan I was preparing myself for, although this was a plan that my parents were saving up for, it wasn't maybe the plan that he had for me. And I think that's a lot of times what people go through that they might have a plan and, you know, they map this whole, you know, expedition out on a piece of paper. And this is, you know, my, my, my 10 year plan, my five year plan. And they get to that point and they're like, nothing that I put on this paper happened, but it exceeded it. And that's what I would say, I guess, at least for me and my testimony is that like, if I would have gone to school, let's say I played basketball for college, I probably would be somewhere, you know, on the East Coast, maybe New York, somewhere playing basketball. And but I wouldn't have nearly as much experience that I've had nearly as much, you know, the connections that I've had nearly as much of the fun that I've had, you know, doing the things that I've been doing. And I think it's only because, you know, the plan that we have ahead of us is, is you know, planned and purposed for a reason. Um, and I was, yeah, like I mentioned, I was at that point. I didn't know what, like my future, my world came crashing down. And I know it sounds dramatic to hear that from a 17 or 18 year old kid at the time, but that's why I felt. And I feel like if there's anyone going through that right now, just kind of take a step back and, and take your time, to, take the time that you need to go through that because it's not an easy process but also recognize that this is a fresh start. And I think there's there's a lot of fun and there's a lot of beauty in, in fresh starts and seeing what, what's going to come next because, you know, the sky's the limit for a lot of people, you know, for everybody. If you really put your mindset to it and you put, you know, your hard work and you definitely dedicate your life to, to doing that, I think um, there's a lot that can be done. And just sometimes people put themselves in a box and that's what I was doing. I was putting myself in a box of playing, all right, I'm going to be playing sports my whole life this is all i'm going to do and that was my world for about eight years and when that came crashing down i was like okay my box is open you know the world of possibilities i'm I'm here for it i'm welcoming it and i think that's what people have to recognize so you have a five-year plan now (laughs) (laughs) you know they always ask you that right yeah they do um my favorite question is what do you want to do when you grow when you grow up and i'm still asking myself that i'm like i I think yeah it's like i don't know i'm i'm doing it right now you know and i think people are like oh like what career do you want to be in and i'm like right now the career that i want to be in is is in is in media and you know making an impact with with you know in the culture creating content and different things like that podcast being a part of that and you know one branch of a tree apparently me Um, too yeah, <laughs> you see, like people in different industries that you would have never, never even thought of. We were again talking to Ashley. Ashley, Ashley, there you go. Um, and you know, she was talking about her experiences working for other people, and they're like, even people after the pandemic were like, we still don't have a digital presence, right? And they're like, they're they're always people innovating and doing things like that. But I guess a five year plan. Wow, I don't, I don't even, I've never thought about that. I mean, I plan to be married um, with my girlfriend. Uh, I hope and pray that my business. Woof, woof. <laughs> she's she's, she's probably gonna be listening right now, to this. Like, I gotta oh, raise okay. I'm, I'm getting ready. Um. So yeah, it's definitely in the plan, and and I get that question all the time, dude. You're 22. Like you have your whole life to be married, and I get that the same you know uh, 
kind of comment in uh my my business on the professional side like dude like go party like have fun gabe you know gabe people are always gonna talk down about your different ambitions every director i've had every manager i had every boss i had whenever i was making a shift or pivoting or or trying to take a a step in any direction would always say why are you gonna do that yeah don't no so moving from i'll start here when I was going to go to nursing school, mind you, I'm a 20-year-old dude, just got out of the army. Um, I'm still in the reserves. I tell my uncle I want to get into nursing. Nursing is for chicks. <laughs> Why don't you become an engineer, bro? Yeah. That's what you got to do. Then I'm sitting, I remember I was sitting at a bar with my friend Seamus, and he tells me, um, dude, before you go to nursing school, you should probably consider becoming a pilot. <laughs> Guess what? The next week, I was on a private pilot lesson. I'm in the air. No, I'm. I'm at, I went to Opalaka Airport. I bought. I purchased a private pilot lesson. Uh-huh. I was literally on a little Cessna from some kid from like Pakistan who was <laughs> learning to become a pilot. I'm not even kidding. Can't make this up. And I remember being up there, saying, looking down and saying, "This is beautiful." And the kids trying to explain to me all the instruments on the plane, and I'm like, "I'm not interested." My, my love is for the human body, for helping people, person to person interaction. Mm-hmm. Being a pilot sounds cool and prestigious. Shout out to all my pilots. Felix Chang, shout out to you. That's my boy. <laughs> he's been a pilot. I don't know what airline he's working for, but um, it wasn't for me. Yeah. And as prestigious as it sounds, imagine you walk into a party, you're 24, 25, 26, and people say, well, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a pilot. Oh. Oh, I'm a nurse. Oh. <laughs> right? Different ballgame. Different ballgame. Because game. people's perception of what a nurse is. Yeah is you're walking around the halls of a hospital wiping ass and finding ice for people when the yeah. reality was I was working pediatric ICU taking care of the sickest kids like yeah. kids who were gunshot wound victims wow. kids who had gotten hit by a car kids who had all sorts of issues but nobody from the outside could see what I was doing mm-hmm. and so it was so interesting so then just fast forward real quick then as I'm a nurse I'm leaving PICU and going to mental health and I'm going to a psych ward my nurse manager would be like, why are you going to work with those crazy people? And I'm like, well, actually, my uncle suffers from mental illness, and that's why I have a passion for it. Yeah. So then I'm working <laughs> at, in, in psych, and I want to uh, um, further my education, and my director's saying, why? It's a waste of time. You're not going to make any money. You're not going to do anything. So I go to become a professor. People are like, you're not qualified. So every step of the way, I've had a naysayer, somebody telling mm-hmm. me, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. So I don't know why I went off on that tangent, but I just something you said reminded me. No, I think I think that's great, and I I remember a TED talk. I forget the guy who who did it, but he was basically conducting this experiment to get a hundred no's. I don't know if we talked about this. No, I know we talked about this with someone else, but he was on an experiment to get a hundred no's. He he wanted to face rejection head on, right? And he had a big issue with with rejection because a lot of people were telling him exactly that, like, "Hey, you're not qualified. You don't you don't need to do this. Like, you're not good enough." So he's like, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to get 100 no's no matter how. And he was going to, you know, McDonald's is asking for a Big Mac for free. Like he like those types of things, like obvious things that you would not even you know think of asking. Like you cringe at the idea of doing it. But he was doing it because he's like, I know people are going to say no. And to his you know surprise, he actually got a couple of people that would. Hey, yeah, here's 50 percent off on this hamburger. You know, like he just making that ask was, you know, shocking to him. And he was like go, conducting that experiment kind of put a rejection in a, in a different perspective for me. And I'm like, I appreciate rejection because I know 
I'm a certain amount of rejections away from a yes. And I think that's the same attitude that both you and I have when it came to, you know, these different types of people and naysayers that would talk negatively about what we wanted to do. And, you know, they have an idea of our life that isn't even what we want, right? They want us to conduct our lives in a, in a way that is not, you know, up to our plan in a way, right? And if they're like, oh, if you exceed that, then no, you're different, right? You're doing something way out of this league. But that's that's up to me, right? That's up to you to make that decision. It, it, it might not pan out in their world. It might not be a best decision for them in their world, but it's the best decision that you can make for yourself. Maybe taking 130 to, uh, grand at a, at a at a you know a high high end clinic is is a dream for somebody, but it's not the dream that you're anticipating for yourself. You know, so I think you know we can only tell our own stories, um, and it's important for us to not lose track of that and to not let other people dictate our next step, because that's really easy for a lot of people. And I've had plenty of people tell me, "Hey, dude, you'd be great at this job. Go, go, you know, become this, you know, do that." And I'm like, I could have easily taken that course and I could have become whatever they wanted me to become. But that's what they wanted me to become, not what I wanted me to become. So I think it's important for us to kind of have, you know, that tunnel vision um, to say, okay, like, this is what I want. This is what I think I'm going to be best at. And this is what I'm passionate about. Do you feel like your parents were ever trying to steer you in which in in a certain direction? My parents wanted me to be a soccer player. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, no. it's a true story, though. I, I grew up in a Brazilian household. They thought I was going to be the next Pelé or something, and yeah. <laughs> it didn't work out. I grew to be 6'1", and they're like, I guess you're a basketball player now. Yeah. But thankfully, no, they 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 themselves never had, you know, a, kind of a traditional route where they don't have a college education. They kind of had to go get whatever they wanted, and that's what translated over to me in my mindset in my life. You know, I'm like... What would you say to that parent who is trying to influence a kid that's you know let's say 18 to 24 or something that they're still trying to put pressure on them i think to that person to that parent and i'm not a parent so i can't no no, but this is from your perspective as as yeah from my perspective i would say no offense to that parent but maybe take a look at your life and take a look at maybe your past because a lot of times at least from what i've observed is a lot of these parents they kind of try to live through their kids vicariously and they want you know what they wanted for their kids and that's hard for a lot of people to kind of swallow sometimes because maybe your kid wants to be an artist right but you want them to be a doctor or an engineer mm-hmm. you know and maybe that's what you wanted to do and maybe you didn't have the opportunity to do that at a young age um but that doesn't mean you should keep them from doing what they want because just like you weren't able to do what you wanted you're going to be you know crippling them to do the same thing so that's probably what I would say is just kind of take a step back and look at your, your own life, your, look at your own past, you know, and, and try to, you know, really just give them all the resources they need to to love what they do. And they're going to figure it out. You know, at some point, parents can't keep their kids from making mistakes. They got to make their own mistakes. Yeah. You know, and some of the parents that I look up to and see that they're doing a good job is because they're secure in their own career, secure in their own, you know, kind of path that they're on and that way they can let their kids kind of roam in a direction that may not be so traditional or may not be so you know straight and narrow but at least they're happy so that's kind of what i would i try to show my daughter all the avenues that exist i tell Mm -hmm. her there's a roadmap to making money yeah there's a road it depends on what you want from your life you can pursue things that you're passionate about you can pursue money um you can pursue more time 
there's there's many roads paved. You have your I did uh, Florida prepaid for her, so I'm mm -hmm. like, you have four years of tuition paid yeah. and two years of a room and dorm. Yeah. So you're set, and I'd rather you figure out what you really want, if it's financially or if it's uh, a pursuit of passion. Mm -hmm. But that's up to you, and I'm not. I, I will give you feedback. Yeah. I will help you. I'll support you, but I'm not going to tell you which direction to go in. Yeah. And I always find it interesting whenever people are asking her at 13 years old, "What are you going to be when you grow up?" And I'm like, dude, you don't know I don't what you know. are. Yeah, I don't know. I'm 38. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to be doing in the next five years. You yeah. know, who knows? I could open another business. Um, I could sell this practice. This podcast could blow up. Yeah. I have no idea. Bitcoin could actually go up instead of crashing down. <laughs> Jesus Christ, help us all. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I, like there's so many different things that I, I would. I, the main thing to any parent is encourage them, support them. Don't them. try to steer the direction that they're going to live their life in, mm -hmm. especially if it's just a means of control, right? Like, mm -hmm. like I, I can't admit, my parents weren't like that. My parents were more so just like, mm -hmm. figure it out, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Do your thing. Yeah, um, same here. So I, I just, I would hate that pressure, right? I would hate that, that constant weight of, I'm going to disappoint my parents. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to live up to their standards. No, screw that. Live your life. Yeah. Live your life. And I think there's, that's a lesson for a lot of people because, I mean, Maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, I would say, okay, yeah, like going off to be an artist is very difficult. If you look at the artists of today, a lot of them only get the credit and the success that they deserve they're after dead. they're dead, <laughs> you know, and that's unfortunate, but it's the truth, at least for past artists or, you know, creators or whatever you want to call it. But today in 2022, whatever year you're listening to this, like from now on, like you can monetize just about anything. And if you do enough research, if there's not an avenue, make it, pave the way, because there are so many people doing that. And you can literally, you know, make a living walking dogs. If you love dogs that much, you can create a dog. I get ads for it all the time. I don't know why I don't even have a dog, <laughs> but I get ads for it all the time, like walkable or something, something like that. It's like you can pay somebody to come to your house and walk your dog yeah. if you don't have the time of day to walk your own dog. Right. I think you have bigger problems. if You can't walk your own dog, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's an avenue that you can take. So I think a lot of parents as parents should, right. They're kind of, you know, concerned because they don't understand this whole, you know, social media era, the society that we're living in, how money works, you know, they're like, okay, I have a salary, I have a 401k and I have retirement. That's all I know. Stability. This, that's the stability. And that's, that's what their foundation is based off of. Um, but I think our, our society is headed in a different direction that you can, again, make money just off about anything. You can make money on this podcast. Like if you are good enough at it, if you have the right exposure, if you are consistent enough and do it long enough, you can, you can, you can make very well, like a lot of money. Like there's I don't a, even know how to, you know, put that into words. Yeah. There's actually a guy who is an IT guy who, who comes and services the practice. Yeah. And he was like, ah, I just want my son to go back to school. All he does is play around on YouTube and blah, blah, blah. And I said to him, oh, why? what does your son do on YouTube? I, he he freaking just goes fishing. and blah. So I was like, oh, what's his YouTube? So I look it up. Dude's getting like 25 million views. Like I'm like, no. or like creating or 2 million views, something like that. But wow. it was, I was like, wait, 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 hold it, hold it. <laughs> Let's rewind. Your son has put out like 10 videos in the past 14 days. He's out on the bay fishing, right? And he is killing it. Yeah. Do you know how much money he's making on YouTube? He, what do you want him to go back to school for? <laughs> like he's yeah. enjoying his path. He's like, oh yeah, but you know, you never know that thing's gonna come crashing down. I'm yeah. like, what? It's, what yeah. are you saying? But that's 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 the disconnect that a lot of people 
and you realize it because you're you're still young enough yeah. to kind of understand that but you know pepito that's you know 77 years old may not understand that and you know i think there's a time and a place for them to learn but it's crazy what these kids nowadays are doing you know you can literally just you know monetize anything and you can create a passion and i think you know not to use joe rogan as an example because yeah. he's you know a, a mammoth in this yeah. in the space but i think he started podcasting if i'm not mistaken like in 20 you know 2009 2010 yeah, yeah something, something like, like crazy like that and we only probably heard of him maybe a couple of years ago when he, he signed that big deal yeah before spotify so i started listening to him maybe like two years before spotify yeah so then i started listening to him probably after spotify because mm -hmm. that's when i heard about the whole podcast you know mm -hmm. bubble booming and stuff and but he was doing that for close to 10 years before he even got to anywhere obviously he had his own career made out for him with wrestling and all that and the stuff that he was involved in but it's not wrestling it's ufc it's ufc i'm so sorry for all the, the ufc <laughs> and wrestling brands <laughs> i'm not i ha i don't get it it's all the same to me no but i'm sorry Every, no, no. everyone that loves ufc just close your dude turn. you know what i've gotten a lot of people hooked on ufc next time there's a really? fight i'm gonna invite you yeah because i'm gonna text me i'm gonna give you the backstory first so you ha understand what's going on in the ring and you're gonna be like oh okay, okay. and i'll show yeah. you i'll show you a couple of fights that lead up to it and yeah. it's gonna i've gotten people addicted i'm down my girlfriend's whole family's addicted I'm to down. ufc now they're like are there fights tonight <laughs> swear, i'm down crazy. i'm down I, all i know is that you got to pay for pay-per-view and that's um, i checked out at that point but <laughs> it's all right uh, no text me i'm down i'm always uh, down to learn um but yeah, he obviously had his own career made out for him and it, you know, it's a different perspective. But I think that's also a lesson for people to know is like again, if you pay enough attention, if you if you you know, put enough energy and time into something, it's only a matter of time that it's gonna lead to something. You know who inspired Joe Rogan to start a podcast? Who? Tom Green. He went really? to Tom Green's house once. Yeah, he's talked about it before. He went to Tom Green's house. You know who Tom Green is or no? Mm -hmm. Oh, he's an older comedian. Oh, it's all right. Um, that's where the the older generation yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tom green was huge on you on on mtv uh -huh. back in the day um was married to jenny mccarthy i think you don't know who jenny no, mccarthy i've heard of jenny mccarthy i've heard okay I, no no that's green cool. never heard of no big deal um i'm sure he was grandpa, <laughs> <laughs> sure he was grandpa. <laughs> this is what this is what i get for hiring younger people yeah. actually that's that's good what recommendations do you have for somebody like myself who who is hiring gen z how can I relate better to to that population? What are some things from a business perspective that somebody who's a little bit older should should kind of be aware of in mm -hmm. terms of what that generation values and how to keep the culture at work alive and well and flourishing and encourage them to, to work? Yeah, I think there's a couple things. I think one of the biggest things, as you said it, is culture. Um, that's something from day one that I've tried to instill in everything that I do, whether it's the podcast, whether it's a business, whether it's just a conversation. Setting the culture um, is so vital in any organization that you're in. Um, and it starts from the top. It starts with you, right? It starts at whoever the CEO, executive, whoever the president is, that's where it starts with. And it'll trickle down the ladder from there. Um, and I've had friends that walk into huge fortune 500 companies and the culture the vibe as people like to call it is dead like you know it's plain gray cubicles like it's that's again where where you know corporate america was and i think it's kind of starting to shift in a different direction um but people are definitely starting to pay more attention to culture and their work environment i think it's also important for you to pay attention to their wants and needs you know as, as a young person myself, I love to travel and I love, you know, to go on a beach day. You know, I heard one company 
um, that I really loved when I was reading about this that they I think they did like they called it it wasn't a mental health day but it was it was something like a free day or something that it wasn't like if you just don't feel like coming to work just call and let us know because there's been like this 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 kind of I don't even know what to call it but like people that have been in corporate America or in traditional jobs or any job for that matter they're like, dude, I want to go to the beach. I don't really want to go to work. <laughs> yeah, let me call in sick. I, I don't feel good. I think I have COVID. <laughs> yeah. Let me like, call in sick yeah. and and let me just tell my employer that I I'm, I can't come to work today to protect everyone else, right? But that's obviously not the truth. And I think that kind of taking that out of the equation starts to instill honesty into your organization, into your company. And if Ashley wanted, you know, sh- hey, I want to take a beach day, not feeling it. Um, Amanda. No, now you're confusing me. No, it's Ashley. It's Ashley. It's Ashley. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm probably so, going to call her Amanda so at some Ashley, point again. If Ashley wanted to take if a If she beach wanted day. to take a beach day or, hey, she wanted to go, you know, drive up to Orlando for the weekend, you know, with friends, like, and she didn't necessarily want to, like, lie about, hey, I, I'm going to take a sick day. I think there's a lot, you know, of respect and being like, hey, like, yeah, we live in a society where it's hustle, hustle, hustle in this grind culture. And, you know, if we're not careful, we'll burn out. And if we don't take care of our people from the beginning, you know, then we're the ones at fault for their, uh, you know, lack of. And I think that's really important um, to lead an organization, to lead a company is to pay attention to what they want instead of being like, hey, like you're not paying attention. You're not you're not you're you're not hitting your quotas. You're not hitting your numbers this year, this week, you know, do better instead of taking that approach, be like, Hey, like what's going on? Like what's going on at home? Is something okay? Like, are you going through something like your, you, your numbers aren't normal. I think empathy is a huge one. Um, and just being empathetical towards, you know, your employees and the people that you work with, because it's easy, you know, again, you go to these big companies and they're worried about hitting their numbers, hitting, you know, their, their stats every week and every month. But when, you know, the minute something goes down, they're not necessarily concerned about, oh, why is Juan not performing? They're like, Juan's not performing. We either got to get him right or he's out of a job, yeah. you know? And that's, I think, the wrong approach to employing people in general, whether they're Gen Z, millennial, but particularly young people coming into the workforce. Um, they are, they need to be, they need to have that, you know, and they relate a lot better to empathy. Um, and also, you know, going back to what we talked about, about how some you know, young people, they might be, you know, underqualified, they might be unprepared. Um, I think there's a lot of value for me, particularly, I love to learn, you know, if you tell me, hey, I want you to stay in this meeting, just listen, and you know, learn as much as you can. A lot of people will be receptive to that and, and appreciate that. Instead of you just being like, hey, here's my notes, you know, get what you want from it. Mm-hmm. Right? I think, you know, mentorship is a huge, huge aspect of today's generation. And people are willing, and at least I'd like to think that people are willing to, you know, take the time to learn from somebody and learn under somebody, especially if they respect that person, they look up to that person. And if you're respectable, right, if people don't look up to you and don't respect you, it's not because you're a bad therapist or you're a bad, you know, CEO or whatever it is. It's probably because you're just like a bad human being. Like Mm -hmm. people just don't want to be around you, you know. So I think taking that opportunity to be like, hey, like today I want to talk to you guys about like my experiences, what I've learned and i want to hear your feedback from it like this is how i was able to get to where i am Mm -hmm. and you know that's what i hope to instill into the organizations that i'm a part of in the future and i think that's what a lot of people can start to instill today yeah i think culture is huge i I mean just overall the way i'm trying to run it here is is 
is that using empathy and mm-hmm. just showing them that I'm a person. I tell them all the time, oh, you're my coworker. Like I, I'm not your boss. Obviously the yeah. boss is AMP. The boss is the practice. The boss is the company. Mm-hmm. And so what my role is, is to be a good steward. And so I have to make sure that the company survives yeah. and the company thrives. And so I have to make sure that everybody who falls underneath, including myself, is doing what they need to do to take care of that entity. Mm-hmm. Because when I start looking, that entity is supporting a lot of families. Yeah. That entity, there's a lot of people that are depending on this umbrella to protect them. Mm-hmm. And so if there's somebody who's falling off or falling out of line, it's a, that's where the job gets hard, right? Yeah. Is where you have to decide, you know what? This person is, rather than allowing that, um, it's almost like if it was an umbrella, this one person is pulling at one of these brackets of the umbrella and breaking yeah. it, allowing water to come in versus supporting it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's what I'm learning. I mean, we're two years in this game right now. That's awesome. Um, and, and I'm just seeing that I just want to be a good steward, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I do want to respect people's personal lives. Yeah. I want to respect their opportunity for growth personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. And just, again, if I'm going to preach quality of life, I need to give them quality of life. Yeah. So if they're having a day that they don't want to come in for whatever reasons, if they're going through a pregnancy, if they're having a rough time in terms of a, their, their mental health, I need to find a way to help them. Because yeah. if I don't, what am I doing? Look, I'll give you an example right now. When we're done with this podcast, I saw that one of the girls that works in the front desk, Daisy, her phone is broken. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I'm done here, I'm just going to run to I break, we fix or whatever you break, I fix uh-huh. <laughs> and take her phone there yeah. um, because she's like, oh, can I leave at, I don't know, I, like early? And I was like, oh, just take it for you. It's no big deal. Yeah. And that way it's one less thing. That way, once she leaves work, she go pick it up. Her phone's fixed. Yeah. Uh, something as simple as that yeah. is going to make a huge difference to her. For sure. Because if she gets out at five, that place is closed already. Yeah. And now what does she do? Wait till, I don't know, Friday, yeah. Saturday, send somebody else? So yeah. I, don't know. I think also rooting for people is huge. Oh, yeah. You know, like I see a lot of people that they they identify talent, right? They identify skill. They see this person that, wow, like you're a game changer. You're, you are killing it. I want you for me though. Like I want, you're going to work for me and you're not letting go until I let you. Yeah. And that's also... <laughs> you know, was really, you know, ruining that culture because instead of rooting for the person in the, in the, in the individual, you are now rooting for yourself and your own personal benefit and you're taking advantage of that skill and that talent. And I think there's a lot to be learned in, you know, identifying somebody, hey, like you're really good at this, come work for me for some time, learn as much as you can if you'd want to. And then I'm going to put you in the best position to succeed in the future. Yeah, whether it's you here know. or if you go somewhere else. Exactly. Because, yeah. at, you know, at the end of the day, like you're rooting for their personal growth and their personal mm-hmm. development. But a lot of people are rooting for their own, you know, personal or, or you know, organizational uh, benefit, which is obviously, like you said, like that's the boss. But, you know, without the people, the, the, the company doesn't run. And Simon Sinek is really, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's have- he's a pie, like pioneering this space and like the things that he's you know been able to talk about and the different you know ted talks that he's given and different interviews he wrote a book that i read recently called leaders eat last and just from the title you can tell that you know the book is basically about setting the example uh you know from the top setting that culture being empathetical towards your employees towards your your coworkers. um but as a leader uh, you know for you in a position that you're in leading this company you 
are in charge of making sure that everyone in this room has what they need and they're equipped to succeed. You know, everyone in this practice that you're you're here to serve them. Mm-hmm. You know, and same thing with me and the organization that I'm part of. Like, if I'm in that position of leadership, my 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 job is not to to be micromanaging everyone. My job is not to be making sure that oh this needs to get done. Like, you have people in place for that. You have managers to do that, right? Your job is to make sure. Hey, Susan, how you doing today? How's how's Albert? How's your husband? You know, I don't know. Like, just checking up on people, making sure that they feel like they're taken care of, like they feel like they're valued. I think is hugely underrated um and being genuine about it being too. genuine about it not I'm just not, not just doing it to check a box yeah because a lot of people will do that too because oh yeah i you know i i need to be more gen- i need to be more empathetic oh yeah hey susan here's a gift card go eat with your you know that's not that's not how it works either you know i have to be genuine about it um but i think i think that's definitely something that is lacking in the general work environment you know anywhere that we look and you know think about it over the last 12 to 18 months how many people have opted to work from home rather than go to the office? You know, yeah, I'm sure, you know, there's traffic, there's, you know, things that go on between you're probably wasting an hour, two hours to get to and from. But if there was a culture at that workplace, at that environment that they appreciated, that they felt welcome in, that they felt like they wanted to be a part of, I'm sure that number would be a little bit less. Um, and that's at least what I'm trying to do in my organizations and in the organizations in the future is just like create a workplace that people don't even want to go home, you know, and I've seen, I've seen it happen. I've seen people establish that. And it's amazing to see. Not here at five o'clock. These people are out. <laughs> people are, please out. <laughs> They're out. Yeah, but, but it's fine, man. I mean, I'm not trying to keep anybody here longer than they need to. There's a life outside of this place. Um, as long as, as long as they're enjoying it while they're here, it's fine with me, you know. Because um, at five o'clock, I, I'm out, you know. Maybe yeah. mentally. So that's I actually I wanted to flip that and say the perspective as the leader of any company that the employees don't see is that even though I'm at the beach, the business is still on my mind, mm-hmm. or I'm processing oh, something that happened, yeah. or I'm thinking about what's the next move, or how can I do this better? Where can I make an improvement? Um, do I need to hire? Do I need to let go of somebody? Yeah. Um, the, the documentation system, I need to change. So it's just a lot of different little variables that you're constantly thinking about mm-hmm. from the moment I wake up, um, which is which is, is difficult sometimes. So so anybody who wants to be a business owner, it's not all fun and games. Like, no. it, there's a lot of pressure that's placed on you that nobody else is going to see and nobody else is going to relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important for you to recognize that before you step into that role. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, it's cute to put entrepreneur in your Instagram bio, you know, everyone wants to do it or CEO or CEO of, you know, yeah, it's, you know, everyone wants to do it and it's, it's people don't understand the, the work and the grind that comes that, you know, with that. And I think that's genuinely the reason why I do what I do isn't because I'm trying to get to a mountaintop. I'm, 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 I enjoy the, the journey too. So right. wait, what is it that you do besides the podcast? So the podcast, I, I know because I have your resume, but I want. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm a partner at a creative agency that we do all things, you know, commercials, video production, um, getting into the documentary and docu series space, which is a monster within itself. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I've you know loved. That's what I've been a passionate. I kind of my start in that was as a freshman in my college in my yeah freshman in college i started like my own like kind of marketing thing and i can go on and on about how i started that you know that led from something else but one thing led to another and i started kind of like my own marketing agency kind of focusing more on you know facebook ads and social media 
and servicing clients here locally. Um, but I started to realize that that wasn't really what I was as passionate for. And I really enjoy the creative aspect of that business. Mm -hmm. And for so long, you know, I was told, Hey, you're a businessman. Don't, don't pick up a camera. Like you're not, you know, we get some, you got people for that. Right. But I've recently started to make the connection between both. And I think that there's definitely a world that both live together. Um, and that's what I'd like to think that I am. I think like I'm a hybrid entrepreneur where I can, you know, pick up a camera and I can set, set up your audio, your video, take pictures, like, you know, do all those things, but also run the finances, also run the operations, also run the business development and enjoy both at the same time. Um, and then one thing led to another, you know, through a connection through the podcast, um, I was offered an opportunity to come on as a partner at this organization um, to be a uh, director of operations and business development. Um, working there and you know I've learned a ton you know through different connections through the podcast that is still very involved in that um, the different projects that we've been able to work with the different clients that we're a part of and where we have relationships with um, what and kind of documentaries are you working on so we're working more in like the uh, there's a lot of things that we've been working on now especially in the social impact space we want to do a lot you know with sports as well um with things coming up with like the nil i'm not sure how familiar you are with that i'm not but i know ashley right now is hearing sports and like yeah the nil yeah the nil thing um you know there's a lot of opportunities there um none that i can disclose openly right now because they're still under contracts and under you know development and stuff and i don't want to oh, come say on anything. we only have like 30 viewers bro. <laughs> But um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the space that we're trying to get into. And, you know, the whole distribution uh, space itself, you know, when, when I say distribution, I'm talking about ESPN Plus and, you know, Apple TV, Hulu, Netflix. Everyone wants to have a documentary or movie on there. Right. But people don't really understand what it takes, you know, the process that it takes to get to that point. So that's what we're learning right now, you know, and we're not sure, you know, we're going through a lot of changes right now currently in the organization between the three partners and seeing where our priorities lie um, to see what, what is next for us in the company. Um, but I know for sure, you know, I'm going to be part of this industry for a very long time just because that's what I'm passionate about. And, uh, you know, that obviously in kind of comes in, into play with the podcast. You know, our production has ramped up. In terms of quality, our, our mics, we have a studio that we can record out of. And I know Anthony's at, you know, Gainesville most of the time. Um, but for the most part, we'd like to think that that's, you know, part of what we do. And quality for me has always been number one. And that's kind of translated in everything that I do um, when it comes to media and, you know, again, podcasting equipment, gear, all that stuff I've learned kind of indirectly, not through school, not through courses. You know, I've changed my major like three times. Um but I've been able to kind of gain that experience through. So yeah, that's kind of what I do on a, on a day to day is run that, that creative agency. And, you know, the podcast is still a vehicle to continue to grow that as well, you know, through the people that I meet, through the people that, you know, we continue to um, associate ourselves with. And we have a lot of plans for that as well. You know, kind of, we've been able to culminate a very passionate community here in, in Miami. And I think that there's something that lacks in Miami in terms of a young professionals community, you know, uh, for a long time, people have always been up until now, people are so intimidated to go out and meet, you know, people and, and just grab a coffee with like their friend's dad, you know, that might be a CEO at a company that they might look up to. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I've learned that along the way as well. And we want to kind of provide an environment where people can go to openly and learn and just connect with people. And, and, you know, like I mentioned, Anthony and I, we met 
or not met because we went to high school together, but we kind of reconnected at a networking event. And for as long as we started, we knew we're like, hey, whenever, you know, it's safe to do so because of COVID, we want to go back to that and, and start hosting in-person events and, you know, hope to do like, you know, one day conferences and weekend conferences very soon and, and collaborate with different people and, and different universities and stuff to serve that community um, to provide uh, an, an atmosphere for people to meet their next co-host of a podcast, to yeah. meet their next co-founder, to meet their wife or husband, you know, like just providing that um, that outlet for people, I think is very valuable. And although our generation in our society in our workforce is definitely moving in a digital direction. There is so much valuable value to still be found in in-person interactions like this right now probably wouldn't be the same if it was over Zoom or over Zencaster or whatever, just because I'm here, I'm touching the mic, I'm, I'm you know, tangibly here. So I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, so I, think I also there's also don't, a lot of permanence, like in yeah. terms of the memory, exactly, um, because that it's a blip on Zoom, it's a mm -hmm. blip on on Zencast or whatever you use. But I, yeah. I think there there is something when it's tangible when you're in here. For sure, you smell the room, you you understand the vibe, what's going on behind the cameras. Yeah, um, I think it does create a different environment, and I'm not uh, talking down at all about anybody who podcasts For or, sure, no, or yeah. uses Zoom because actually we need to. I'm learning from you in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. um, I agree with you. I need to definitely look at from the technology side and say, how can I have this quality of audio and still just stream with somebody in California yeah. or in London or wherever? Mm -hmm. Because we have that capability without them physically being here. So why yeah. not? One day we're going to have a hologram. That would be cool, but yeah. <laughs> we're not there yet. Yeah. Um, there was something else you said. Oh, and then it's interesting that I'm sitting here. Uh, I got a 16-year advantage on you in terms of lifespan right but then i i hear you talking and i'm like i'm actually following in your footsteps in many cases wow. um whether it's like starting a podcast or like in the back of my mind i want to have net more network we've had one networking event just a, a few weeks ago here um but networking events so mm -hmm. i think our mindset um is very similar in that sense where we see the value in creating the space for people to get exposure to other people, whether yeah. it's through a podcast or in person to person events, which is, sure. it's pretty cool. <clears throat> it's cool that you have such a head start, man. No, I appreciate I, I, that. I'm curious to see what your life looks like, you know, at 32 and 42, when right now you're sitting across from me as a, as a 22 year old, um, just young adult that's that's mm -hmm. thriving, man. That's it's pretty awesome. It's admirable. No, I appreciate I that. I hope that other people around you are, are, are letting you know that, right? Um, cause look around, there's a lot of other things you could be doing. Yeah. There's a lot of other holes that you could stick your, your head in and, and kind of get stuck. And, and, and I feel like your worldview is so open that it's going to bring you just a lot of success. So it's pretty cool. I I'm going to go through that. a little bit of a, of a, of a lightning round here, right? <laughs> Let's do it. So what have you learned from others since starting the podcast? Um, man, I don't know how much of a lightning round. <laughs> no, it's all right. Something I've learned from others is um, to not be transactional. Um, I think business, for the most part, can be very transactional. And the the few humans that I've actually been able to interact with on the podcast and, you know, talk to the ones that are most genuine, they're not really trying to get a sale out of it. We've had a couple of people that have a hidden, hidden agenda that they want to come on and just promote what they're, you know, selling. And that's, <laughs> that's you could tell it just sucks. Like, it's yeah. just like, it, it's terrible. Um, but I think that's something that 
I've tried to translate into my day to day is that like, yeah, sure. Like I would love to work with somebody, but that's not why I'm here. Like mm-hmm. I want to, I want to get to know you. I want to yeah. be able to give value to you and to your listeners. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want this to be a transactional relationship and see how we can, you know, later on continue to benefit from each other, whether it's, Hey, you're not doing business directly with me, but maybe I can introduce you to someone that may be, you know, able to help you or, you know, maybe a client of yours. So that's one of the things that one of many things I can probably name another 10, but that's probably one of the things that stand out the most. So, all right. So what, what have you learned about yourself through the podcast? What I've learned about for myself is that there is no limit on how much you can learn and grow. Um, because if you would have talked to me two, three years ago, I probably would have said no to even coming here. Right? Because I was an introvert. At least I'd like to, I, I, I think I was like mm-hmm. I, in high school, I had a lot of friends. Like I, I wasn't necessarily popular by any means, but I had like my, my cool, close friends that I would talk to, but getting on a stage, nope, that was not for me. Like I would never, you know, putting a mic to it was enough. I think that kind of, and I knew that I was self-aware enough to be like, all right, two or three years ago when we started the podcast, I was like, this is going to allow me to put myself in a position to be on stages one day, if that's what the route that I want to take. Um, so that's something that I've learned about myself is that although I kind of have this this preconceived notion of what I can and cannot do, um, I think we always exceed those expectations for ourselves. And every time I get behind a mic, and this is kind of different because I'm, I'm not used to being on the other side being interviewed, but I think it's so fun because it's it's kind of getting a different perspective. But it really goes to show how much, you know, a human can really grow and learn from other people. Mm. And, you know, my conversational skills, my interpersonal communication skills have, I think, grown and developed so much over the last two and a half years um, that I'm no longer intimidated to hold a meeting and hold a presentation with 30 people if I needed to. Right. Yeah. You still get the the butterflies and all that. But I think that's also important to realize that if you still feel those feelings, it's because you care. And if you don't, it's because you could probably not, you know, give anything, you know, because it's just like not, you know, not important to you. And that's probably what I would say I've, I've learned about myself is that there's really no cap. I think you put the cap on yourself mm-hmm. when you want to grow and when you don't. And right now I'm, I'm letting that cap roam free. I don't know where it is. I just want to keep going. So no cap, no cap. <laughs> <laughs> I got one. In. <laughs> Shut up. Damn it. Make fun of me all day, man. I'm supposed to be the boss around here. Apparently not. <laughs> That's true. I'm a coworker. I'm a steward. I'm a steward. Um, I was going to say something. I was going to say that, um, damn it, I lost my train of thought again. It's terrible. Oh, how, how much, how anxious were you initially when you started? Like when you started to do the podcast, what, what did that feel like for you in terms of discomfort, anxiety, heart racing, maybe perspiring? What was that like and how has it changed over time? Um... It was definitely at an all-time high, (laughs) especially in the beginning because we would do this. Like, we would do, like, face-to-face interviews, and I was like, dude, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I was going to the bathroom. I I don't know. I I think I was already conditioned for that, again, through basketball um, because, you know, my junior year, we went to play in the state Final Four. Like, that was probably one of the biggest stages I've ever played on, and that, like, people were, like, throwing up in the bathroom before the game. Like, that's how big of a deal it was to us. And, you know, our coaches, again, told us, like, this is bigger than basketball. This is preparing for you for something that you don't even know what it is yet. And now I'm confident to say that I look back and I'm like, it was preparing me for this moment, you know. And I'd be lying to you if I said that I still don't get those feelings. Like, I walked in here still, yeah, getting the little butterflies just because it's it's normal. I care. Again, 
Um, but I think, again, I, I'm much more confident in my ability to hold the conversation and even start a conversation. I would go to these events and I would go to even parties in high school and be like, I would just stick to who I know. I wouldn't really want to meet any new people just because I was intimidated. And people have told me that if I'm not smiling, I look like I'm always mad, <laughs> which I'm not sure if it's true or not, but people have <laughs> told me that. Um, so from the get-go, I kind of felt like I was unapproachable at some point, uh, sometimes. So I'm trying to kind of negate that and trying to kind of put my guard down and be vulnerable. Um, but the anxiety and the butterflies are still there. Um, but I think I'm more excited than nervous now because I knew that I know that every time, you know, I'm behind a mic or in front of somebody or with a microphone, I, I'm just like I have a new opportunity to impact people. Whether again, whether it's three people or 30 people listening to this, so yeah, I hope I hope and pray that, you know, someone takes what I'm listening what I'm saying away and maybe apply it to their own life and maybe feel inspired and motivated you know by any by no means am i you know in that position to do so but i'm just telling you my story right and i think that it, telling people's story is valuable in its own way for people to maybe relate to it um i disagree i think you are in the position to to inspire people so i appreciate that and, and either way i think we're gonna break it down into reels and they're not gonna have a choice but to say <laughs> who the hell is this guy and we just click on his profile and yeah. see what's going on no so, i appreciate so that too bad for them um I think in terms we were talking about anxiety earlier before you came in and what people think is that if you avoid these situations that make that make you anxious that make you uncomfortable that is a sense of comfort right you draw a sense of comfort but yeah. the problem is that a lot of times in your life you retreat to those spaces of comfort but then eventually you're going to have to face something that's going to make you anxious yeah and the more you avoid all these uncomfortable situations the more you're going to become fearful of not only that situation, but all situations around you. Yeah. So it's so important for human beings as a whole to put yourself in in in, in positions where you are uncomfortable, where although you are anxious, you still step into that scenario and just sit with it. Because just like when you started off, your heart rate probably was a little bit higher, your respiratory rate was a little bit higher, your thoughts maybe felt a little disorganized. As you sat through it, mm -hmm. It just kind of smooths out. Yeah. It just gets better. Like right now, I'm sure if I took your heart rate, you're probably probably in the 60s or yeah, 70s, chilling, chilling. Mm -hmm. Not, but when you first sat down, yeah. it was probably like, oh, there's a pink flamingo, there's an astronaut, there's a, <laughs> there's a floating light bulb. That's pretty cool. I've been yeah, that whole time. <laughs> <laughs> like what's going on, yeah. right? So, so yeah, I think it's just really important for people to recognize like you need to step out of your comfort zone. You need to face things that you're anxious about. And you you need to sit in that. Yeah. And, and it's okay and the to sooner, feel comfortable. I think the sooner you do that, and I think that's one of my superpowers. I think I, I live in, you know, being uncomfortable daily. Like I said, I'm I'm in rooms every day and conversations every day, talking to people every day that I feel like unqualified to be talking to. And th that makes me uncomfortable. But I think, you know, I kind of, you know, approach those situations head on because eventually if I get uncomfortable or comfortable enough with the uncomfortable it becomes in a way comfortable mm -hmm. and i know that sounds cliche you know no. get comfortable with the uncomfortable you know i'm sure everyone and their mom is saying that but it's the truth you know and one of my mentors told me that i'll never forget he's like i think I, this was probably like two three years ago he's like your resume is pretty impressive right now you're 19 years old you've done this this and this like it's pretty impressive but like where is it going to be at 23 mm -hmm. <clears throat> where is it going to be at 25 mm -hmm. right are you going to cap yourself off are you going to stop or because right now, yeah, all your friends, all your buddies are going to pool parties, they're going to clubs, they're doing everything they can to just have fun and you're doing what you can. But eventually those guys are going to become CPAs. Those guys are going to become entrepreneurs. They're going to become CEOs too. What are you going to continue to do now 
to get to that next level to make sure you stay ahead of the curve yeah. and that's that's always stuck with me and i'm every single day like i had mentioned before i just want to be one percent better and if it means sitting down to have a conversation with someone or you know having a podcast with someone else or reaching out to this person that is way above my pay grade like doing those little intangibles that you don't even really think about but still make you uncomfortable i think pays such a big dividend to you because it's it's you know every day you learn and every day you grow mm -hmm. and eventually you're going to become 38 years old and you're you're more than comfortable being in front of a microphone right you're more than comfortable talking to patients and talking to clients about what they what they have going on and you you no longer feel unqualified you feel like you're well equipped to do what you got to do yeah definitely yeah i, I remember effort when i started as a professor at um oh my god those first lectures were brutal yeah they were brutal i felt <laughs> completely uncomfortable imposter syndrome was at an all-time high but as the semester went on and the more i stood in front of the students i realized oh no i do have wisdom i have knowledge mm -hmm. i have clinical experience i have life experience to support all the things that i'm saying and the things that i'm teaching yeah so it's not only that i'm just standing in front of a pulpit yeah. preaching no i have i have wisdom to back mm -hmm. the textbook you yeah. know so i i think that that goes for anybody you're gonna you have don't doubt yourself. You have experience to support mm -hmm. what you're doing. And you're probably where you are, where you are, because you've earned it. Mm -hmm. It didn't just, I think imposter syndrome is something that haunts so many people. Yeah. And I think if, if they ask objectively to the people around them, they'll realize, oh, no, I, I, I do belong here. Yeah. I have earned it. What's a common theme you find in the guests you interview? Because you interview a lot of successful people, a lot of CEOs, entrepreneurs. So what's a common theme in terms of either characteristics or um, just themes that, that sort of are recurring? Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. I think a common theme that I've noticed is, I mean, one, they're game changers in the space that they're in, right? I think, uh, you know, one, one guest comes to mind and his name is Matt Bojo. Mm -hmm. you, you should definitely get him on if you have the chance. He, he's out in Sacramento. Um, but he has a school, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to butcher it. I think it's called Acton, Acton Academy or something like that. Um, and he, it's basically a school for, and this is quite controversial for a lot of people, but it's a school that hosts kids um, and gives them, you know, the basic training that they need, but also non-traditional education in the sense that they can explore and you know, learn more about what they're passionate about and put them in environments and situations that they can now, you know, identify what they like and love. And I know I want to meet him already. Yeah, this is what I want. So do. it's not, you know, and the way he explained it to me was that, you know, it's almost like you have a fish, a zebra and a giraffe that all have to take, take the same physical exam, but they all have different physical capabilities. Right. And I say physical just because it's like a, the best example to give you. But that's basically the way we interact as humans that we all have different capabilities we have different talents different skills but if we're all constantly be putting through the same exact traditional you know curriculum not that you don't need math science and english and all that like you need the basics but once you get to a certain age i think you need to be exposed to different things and be given different opportunities to expose your talents and to expose your skills because i know people that are graduating from college now they've been through such a traditional route that they have no idea what they're even good at or what they even like. And no, I give you that they, example. They've probably squandered all of their talents. They squandered everything. Or they say, hey, yeah, I, I love gaming, but my dad said I can't game because it doesn't make any money. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, people are making hundreds of thousands on Twitch and they're crushing it, you yeah. know? So I think that 
Hashtag Gary V. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that for sure has been like an, an example of, you know, the guests that we have on and there, you know, I'm a big uh, advocate for education. I love education um, and learning. I think we learn every day. I think everyone has a different route of how they learn and how they, they get their education. Um, and some people are meant to go to college, some aren't. You know, I'm not, that's something I'm never going to like push on to people because again, we're all built different. And I think, you know, Matt Bodro, he does a really good job of kind of culminating that. And his school, I believe, is actually endorsed by Gary V and, you know, other things that he's doing over there. And it's a, it's a really cool environment, you know, um, to be a part of. And that's what I mean by being like a game changer. Like that's something that I've never heard of. I definitely want my kids to be a part of one day. Um, that's still, and that's probably one of like our early episodes, probably like 30, 40, you know, that I still remember to this day. So that's, I guess, an example of being kind of like a game changer, but a lot of our guests hold so many different characteristics. Um, you know, humility, I think is a big one. Um, a lot of the people that we talk to, they have every right in the world to be, you know, completely arrogant because they have all the money, they have all the experience, they have all the connections, all the, they have everything and some, you know, fill in the blank but they still choose to be humble and they still choose to kind of bring themselves down to where they are and, and acknowledge who they're talking to and truly just give value and not have that, you know, sales approach. Right. Um, so I think humility is also a huge one. Awesome, man. Um, how do you feel? How do you feel about the relationship that you have with social media? Cause obviously a lot of us are sucked in. We're trapped. Yeah. We're <laughs> addicted, you know, unconsciously you open your phone and you go straight to Instagram. Yeah, I think I think social media is a gift and a curse at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has so much potential um, to really, I mean, it, up until now, it's given us, you know, so many opportunities and so many kind of like tools at our fingertips, literally, to be able to put ourselves in front of millions of people. Mm-hmm. I think if you have a healthy relationship with social media, and I would, I would like to think I have a healthy, you know, relationship with social media, I don't, I don't tend to wander off for too long. Um, obviously, I have my weak moments when I'm on TikTok, just looking at you know funny videos mm-hmm. and dances and stuff, um, which I think is okay. I think you know now I know iPhone has a bunch of little tools and gadgets to like cap off the amount of time that you can uh, you know you can spend on certain apps. Um, but I recently was reading an article about how much time, when you put it into perspective, right? We have 24 hours in, in a day, and let's say your screen time is like two hours a day which is most people is much more which is that. most i probably mine's probably like four or five yeah. i'm being completely honest mm-hmm. and just you know take five to you know be an even number you know over two days that's 10 hours over four that's 20 hours over five that's you know 30 or uh, i don't know yeah, so you lose 52 days so a you year. use yeah you lose so much time if you really were to put it and do the math over a year's time you don't really have 365 days anymore Taking into account that everyone gets eight, seven to eight hours of sleep that they, they should, you know, that's already uh, 160 something days, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I remember I did the math once and it was something like this and 365 divided, you know, minus 166 and minus 52. Minus 52. Yeah. Think about the amount of time that you actually have. Um, and that's, I think, what's kind of putting me in a place where like, whoa, okay, like I need to use social media. I need to use my phone. I need to use it to the best of its ability but it can't use me. It can't consume me. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people might have that relationship where they're like, Oh, I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling anxious. Let me go to TikTok. Like, let me, let me do this. Let me do that. They, they kind of use it as an escape. Um, 
which you know can be unhealthy for some people not for all people but i think for for the vast majority um when you do have that approach towards it it can be definitely unhealthy two more questions and i'll I'll let you be (laughs) this is fun what do you notice is a general uh shift in the way that your generation speaks about mental health how, how do you feel your generation sees mental health I think our generation sees mental health as getting a physical every year, right? And I'm really proud to be part of the generation that, that you know, takes part in that. My girlfriend is, is a mental health therapist, and I'm awesome. super proud of her and everything that she's doing. So I, I, I get that world. And I, I even from high school, I remember, you know, unfortunately, I was, it was 2017, 2018, the Sandy Hook shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Valentine's Day. I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And I came home watching that on the news less, you know, less than two, three hours away. And I'm like, those are kids just like me. Right. And I don't want to associate just mass shootings with mental health because there's so many other things that take, you know, take part into mental health. But that's just a good example, especially with the the circumstances that we've been facing the last few weeks um, that I just saw the suffer even from the, the kids in my school, for myself, for my classmates and I remember we we put together some sort of campaign or some sort of like parade or walk around our, our, our high school campus that we, you know, we, we were like mental health, obviously gun control, that's a whole other, you know, situation within itself, but mental health specifically, because there are so many kids that at least experienced that and, and witnessed what had happened. And they were, you know, taken aback. They, they couldn't, they couldn't even imagine to see their friend on the floor unconscious with blood all over them, mm. you know, and those are things that we take, you know, onto our life for years to come. And not that, you know, the things that have happened is what has put us in a position to do that and to, to focus on mental health. I think mental health has definitely, you know, earned its way into, again, being just as important as going to the dentist or the eye doctor every year. Like people don't prioritize it. And I think our generation is really starting to, 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 to focus on it. And, you know, a couple of years ago when, when someone said, you know, Hey, I'm going to see a therapist. It was kind of frowned upon mm-hmm. or kind of, you know, had a stigma around it. Whereas now it's almost applauded. At least I applaud it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I also want to say that it's not, you don't need to be, you know, depressed or you don't need to be facing anxiety to go see a therapist. I think, you know, it's, it's healthy for you to go see someone just to talk about them, you know, just to talk about what you, what's going on, what's, you know, what you're facing right now, what you're going on with work mm-hmm. and your relationships I think that's a healthy relationship to have. Yeah. Um, maybe, and maybe even the way that you're framing the world around you. Maybe mm-hmm. there's maybe somebody points out certain things, like the way that your perspective yeah. is on a certain scenario. Maybe on relationships. Maybe on finances, even where it's very fear driven, mm-hmm. and you have to realize, oh wait, where does this come from? Yeah. And it, it, even exploring that, not because it's damaging to you at all at that point in time in your life, but mm-hmm. it's important to explore and say, well, maybe, maybe I. I Am I looking at this wrong or let me just get another perspective yeah. and let me get somebody to challenge me a little bit? Exactly. Yeah. And I think especially in this space that we're, we're both in as business people, as entrepreneurs, burnout is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced it on different levels, not to the extent that other people have. Mm-hmm. Um, a coworker of mine, she was dealt a pretty bad hand a couple months ago because of burnout. She was juggling two or three different, you know, jobs and positions and kind of being the backbone of all three, um, she was faced with a lot of pressure and she broke down. I think she was diagnosed with vertigo. She, you know, couldn't stand up without her head spinning. She lost like her, her hearing. She lost so many 
I guess, like physical, you know, capabilities um, that really showed that even though we're talking about mental health, if you don't take care of your mental health, eventually it'll take care. It'll, it'll you know, take over your whole body. Yeah, it'll impact your physical health. Exactly. Sure. It'll, take a, it'll, it'll impact your physical health. And I think if you don't stop, and this is almost talking to myself and, you know, other entrepreneurs out there because we live in this hustle culture, that if you don't stop, something will stop you. Um, and I really take pride in, you know, just just taking a break, you know, again, taking a mental health day, taking a beach day, whatever it is, like, make sure that you're okay. Because without you being okay, your organization isn't okay, right? Without, you know, you okay, your family isn't okay. And I think that's something that our generation is really trying to, you know, remove the stigma from mental health and seeing a therapist and doing all that and making it normal. And I'm really proud to be, you know, friends with people, you know, dating someone that is making that change and, you know, seeing people like you to really, you know, pioneer that space um, and making it like a cool, fun way. Like, look around. We got a pink flamingo <laughs> like floating around here. We got lights like, you know, like I think five, ten years ago, therapists, you would walk into like this dainty bloomy room. Oh, people are frowning at me for sure. And there's people in my field who are, I, I am sure critical of what we're doing what we're putting on on social media and i'm okay with it i'm not worried about them you have to and it goes back to what we we're talking about yeah. the you know a, a couple minutes ago is just we can't let other people dictate us and our future and our well the way we conduct our business right and i applaud you for taking the approach that you've been taking you know in an industry like this because it's very easy for people to just take the traditional approach and let me just you know cross on my you know t's and dot on my eyes so i you know and looked at in a certain way mm -hmm. But no, you're you're bringing life into an industry that has been lacking it for so long. Yeah. That pharmaceutical rep walked in a little while ago. I greeted him at the door, and then I followed him into the room because I had a meeting scheduled with him. Yeah. And then he said something, and he goes, "Oh wait, you're you're the provider. You own this practice." So I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Sorry, sorry if I don't look the part, man. I'm not really seeing patients right yeah. now." So. But either way, like it doesn't. Yeah. Like that's another thing that people don't really think about. And like wardrobe is even a, a, a big huge, part of it. Yeah. Like the what like what you wear is is tells someone something. Yeah. Right. And I've been the same way. I've gone and gone into meetings and people are in like suits and like, you know, ties and stuff. And I'm in a T-shirt and, you know, joggers. <laughs> yeah. And like I'm like, this is who I am. Like I'm in a creative business. I cannot like be like stuck in, yeah. you know, like if you're not going to respect me for how I look and what I'm doing then we don't even need to conduct this meeting, right? And I think that goes back to traditionally how people are so used to doing business and working in a certain way where they have to look a certain part, mm -hmm. right? But when you go when you go home with that person, they're putting on an ACDC t-shirt and like blasting music where that they can express that in their workplace. And I think that's a, a big um, part of, you know, the way our workforce is, is kind of going and the direction it's going. And also, I think mental health is also taking a big part in that because even, you know, big corporations are starting to, you know, hire and create relationships with counselors and therapists to provide their own employers and employees with the resources they need to go through whatever they're going through. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I was going to say something you mentioned. So you mentioned the, the school shootings, and I, I kind of can't drop that ball just because mm -hmm. this is the first time that anybody's ever mentioned the shooting. So I just wanted to, I guess, give my two cents to yeah. whoever's listening. Um, the first time that I saw a shooting was Columbine. Um, wow. uh, and I was, I think I was in ninth or 10th grade. I don't even remember. But I remember sitting in class and the teacher literally put on the news and I'm watching kids jump out of a window wow. as they escape. 
and I didn't realize it then, but there was that was the beginning. That was the very beginning of school shootings, mm-hmm. as far as I remember. <clears throat> um, and what we really need to do is look as a society um, at our responsibility in this, right? Mm-hmm. It's really easy to point the finger at the, at these kids. Oh, they're troubled kids. Oh, they're just they're sick and they're mentally ill. And okay, I agree, and, and I think that they definitely, you know, I hope justice prevails to the kids that are still alive. Um, but we need to understand as a society to say what is our role and what is our responsibility in this, right? Mm-hmm. Where are we dropping the ball? Why are these kids being marginalized to the point where they are committing these egregious acts and murdering people? Yeah. Uh, and so I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. I, I know that we're failing in some way, and I, I, I want to say it's a fail, whether it trickles down from um, lack of... Re- so it's, it's not... This is not about gun control. No. This is not about um, more security in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, this is more so about the resources and where we're allocating these resources. Number one... Let's start with teachers not being paid enough. Yeah. So they're probably turning a blind eye to a kid who is like, oh, that kid's acting a little off, but whatever. I don't have time to deal with their yeah. personal problems. right? Or where there's a ton of funds that are going into the schools themselves. So we're not offering kids mental health services. Yeah. Uh, there's kids that are being abused and kids that are being neglected, and they're going through the school system. And mm-hmm. teachers are spending more time with them than anybody else. Yeah. But they have nowhere to go to to seek additional care, to to seek additional resources. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there's there's so many, um, I guess, breaks in the chain um, that we're just we're we're dropping the ball. And it's really easy to point the finger at one kid and say he was troubled and he was sick and yeah. how fucked up was it with, that that he did this or she did this. But man, we we really got to look at ourselves and say what where are we what are we doing as a society as a community to prevent these actions from happening. Yeah. And if we don't take responsibility, it's going to keep happening. It's going to yeah. keep on happening. Cause now after that shooting happened, I think by the following Friday, there was nine additional school shootings. Mm-hmm. What the, what <laughs> is going on? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's bizarre to me. So anyhow, um, and I'm not going to end the podcast on that note because that's a, that's a podcast in itself. I had a forensic psychologist on yesterday. Oh, wow. Uh, which was so crazy. Like, we were talking about the prison system and how that system is broken and yeah. fragmented and how it's supposed to be rehabilitative, wow. but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Monday, I had an artist came in who <laughs> is flourishing and doing well, I paint, love it. doing murals. It's so random. I love the diversity. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm showing that mental health exists in every sector yeah. of our lives. No and I think, what. I think that's so important too. I mean, you mentioned the prison. I don't know much about that, but even, you know, in schools, it's a good one to listen it's, to. <laughs> I, I will definitely, t- you know, look back. If there's one, I'm telling you it's that one once we put it out. But I think, I think it's so, and you mentioned either, you know, the teachers too. I mean, again, we can point all of our fingers at politics and gun control and all yeah. these things and, I, I agree. I don't think that's that's the the answer to this, you know, by any means. That's, it's a, you that's know, a reaction. I remember my, you know, my, my mom was a preschool teacher. And if I'm not mistaken, when she hit like 15 or 16 students, she had an assistant teacher come in, right? I've been in classrooms with 40, 50 kids, with one professor, with one teacher. And, you know, God forbid one of us had an issue that we didn't need to talk about or we even had enough time to like even touch on it, Right. And, you know, the school systems are just, you know, they're they're lacking the resources, in other words, to be able to put. And it's not 
you know, the security resources. It's not, you know. No, the answer is arm the teachers. Exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's not putting, you know, guns in, in, in classrooms because I don't think, you know, that's going to equate to anything, if not worse, than the, the problem that we already have. Um, but I think us as humans, you know, going back to the conversation we just had, you know, being genuine, being, you know, having empathy, being humble, being, you know, dropping your ego at the door, being vulnerable. Hey, look, this is what I'm going through. Like, can you help me? Like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I have all these emotions. How do we teach that? I think we have to show it first. I think, you know, just like you asked me, how, you know, do I go about, you know, employing Gen Z? I think it starts from the top. And, you know, again, I'm not a parent, but I think it starts with parents. I think it starts with parenting them. I think it starts with you setting the example. Hey, kid, this is what I'm going through. Obviously, at the appropriate age, you bring them in and you'd be like, hey, you know, these are the resources that you have. If you're feeling any type of way like this is what I'm doing, maybe go to therapy with them. You know, maybe don't just throw them in a session and intimidate them with someone. But I think setting that example and I think setting the example in organizations like being the principal and hosting different seminars for mental health and and conferences and, you know, bringing in the professionals that can actually speak on the problem instead of trying to, you know, put a cap on it and waiting for it to explode again. I think that's that's the answer to a question. And we're going to figure out, you know, hopefully I hope to, to be you know, part of the solution. And I know you will be too, you know, with the, all the things that you're doing. Um, but that's just like one branch of a tree that has so many other things coming out of it, you know? And I think, again, it starts at the top. It starts with our teachers, it starts with our, our professors, our principals, our, you know, directors, our parents, um, the mentors, the people that we look up to, we're only reciprocating what they, they show. And I think if we're responsible enough to show them the right thing, you know, the politicians, you know, the, the leaders of our country, I think it starts from all the way to the top. And, you know, there's if we can just get that example being shown the right way, I think we would be in a much different place. I hope so, man. Last question for you. What, what's your purpose? You have this life. <clears throat> we have one oh, man. one journey. What, what do you feel your purpose is here? Wow. Um, <laughs> you with all these, these, these stumpers. I think my purpose um, is to to impact in in one way or another, right? I think um, we all have a, a story to tell. Um, and I, I've learned through friends, through mentors, that if you learn how to tell that story and learn how to tell it well enough, like you will make an impact without you even knowing, right? And I think, you know, that starts with getting behind the mic and being vulnerable and talking to people, learning from them, you know, in the meantime, putting out content that means something, putting out content that impacts and influences culture. You know, we're all influencers, you know, just because you don't have 100,000 followers on Instagram doesn't mean that you're not affecting and influencing someone on the other side of that phone. Um, and I, I pay attention to that. I don't have a ton of followers, but I pay attention. I, 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 I'm intentional with what I put out to hope and pray that whatever I put out makes an impact on someone's life, on, on someone's mental health, on someone's, you know, business, on their journey to success. Um, I never want to make it to a mountaintop and be alone. I want to be able to bring people up with me. And I think that's, you know, the legacy that I'd like to leave behind. And, you know, long after I'm gone, I want to be able to show and, 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 you know, have people say, yeah, he made a difference. Not that he made X, Y, Z, you know, he made this much money or he did this many, you know, pieces. No, I want to, how did I make you feel? Did I change your perspective on something? Did I change the way you look at something? And if that's the case, then I'm happy. And obviously I want to have fun along the way. 
you know, I think life is too short to not enjoy what you're doing and have fun. So um, that's kind of uh, what I would say my purpose is as of now. You know, I think awesome. for for now, you know, and, and in the future, I think, like I mentioned before, I think our passions evolve and our interests evolve. Um, but as of right now, 2022, at 22 years old, I, my, my passion and my, you know, pursuit, my purpose is to hope to make an impact on people's lives. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think you're already making an impact. It's, it's funny. I, I often I write, see you at the top and you said something about being at the mountaintop and then having other people with you. And recently somebody was like, Oh, see you at the top. Like, uh, he was offended by it. And uh -huh. I was like, wait, wait, see you at the top means like, we're both going to get there. You might beat me to it. Yeah. Like I just, I want to encourage you to get there. To get there. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting <laughs> that you said that you just want to get to the top and have people there with you. Cause yeah. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. This is not a competition. I'm not trying to beat you at anything. I, I hope you succeed and I'm going to try to succeed on my own too. And, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's two, there's two ways to get the tallest, you know, uh, building in the city. You can either build the tallest one or you can find the tallest one and knock it down. You know, and I don't want to be the one to knock someone else down just to get, you know, my place in the world. Um, I want to be able to build them up. And, and, hey, if you get there before I do and you stay there, I'm, I'm going to be the fir first one to cheer you on. Um, and if I get there, too, I want to be able to bring you along for the ride oh, yeah. and, and do that with you. I'm with you 100%. Gabe, where can, where can people find you? So you can find me on uh, on social media, Instagram, uh, Gabriel underscore Russo, R-U-S-S-O. Um, the, I'm also on LinkedIn. If you want to search me, just put my name, um, kind of getting into the TikTok game a little bit. <laughs> I need to do the same. Um, you know, kind of exploring with that. Um, the podcast, you can definitely find us at the mindset podcast, um, on YouTube, the mindset podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify, we're on all the major, you know, things we're going, you know, on a platform. Awesome, so well, thank you. Thank you for coming in. No, thank appreciate you, man. Anthony, we're coming fun. for you next. Don't worry. He's coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> anyway, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. It was a lot it, of fun. Thanks, man. Thank you.